Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, a weekly discussion about the National Hockey League's Boston Bruins, affiliated minor teams, and prospects of tomorrow's stars. Or fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, score! There are three ways you can support the show. We are available on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud.com, and on TheHockeyWriters.com, located in the podcast channel of the website. Now here's your hosts, Mark Allred and Rob Tomlin. Hello, Bruins fans. I'm Mark, and welcome back for episode 46 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, brought to you by Beast from the Northeast Sports Clothing Company. The great people at Beast from the Northeast pride themselves on using the highest quality apparel to showcase their one-of-a-kind designs that you won't find anywhere else. For a special listener discount, go to beastfromthenortheast.bigcartel.com and enter promo code BLACKANDGOLD for 15% off future orders. Now time to usher in my co-host, the Clitheroe Concrete Wall, Rob Tomlin. Rob, how are we doing, buddy? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Do you like that? Do you like the intro? Yeah. I'm getting the name down. So they're all stone wall. Oh, I see. I can't do it. I wanted to go with the C's, the Clithero Concrete Wall. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know about that. We'll find out tomorrow. Right? Uh, is tomorrow your first game yeah. of the season? Uh, yeah, friendly game. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. pretty much like a preseason warm-up? Yeah, basically. That's yeah. awesome. Well, best of luck to you, sir. Should be a good one. Yeah. Thanks. Uh we got an awesome show planned today. Um, I'm really excited about this. Uh, we, we are definitely going to talk um, some trades. Um, if the Bruins do something, if they don't do anything, it doesn't matter. We're going to talk about it. Um, but I'm also excited to usher in for the second week in a row, uh, black and gold, hockeyblog.com writer, uh, Mr. Court Lalonde. Court, how are we doing today? 
I'm good. How are you guys? Excellent. Excellent. Glad to have you back. Um, yeah. Just mind me, I went out last night again and, and tortured myself, but it was fun to be with good friends, but I'm excited to, to be here today talking Bruins hockey with gentlemen. Yeah, so, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Um, uh, real quick, uh, just we'll talk about the games of, of this week. Uh, since we're recording on Saturday instead of Sunday, uh, the Bruins played the Anaheim Ducks and unfortunately lost that game. Um, I didn't get to, I watched the highlights, the, uh, condensed version and, um, I, you know, I thought it was, I thought they matched up pretty good. If you looked at the numbers, numbers and numbers of these two teams, uh, I thought they looked pretty, pretty fair, but, um, Anaheim came out with the, uh, the, uh, five to three victory. Yeah. It was one of those games where it was like 50, 50, no one knew. No one could tell who was going to win that game. But one of them dropped points against a strong team. Well, I I watched the game and I uh, was, uh, I guess, not smart enough to stay up because it was a long night watching that game. Uh, But but, uh, from what I saw, um, those first two goals, they were just two weird bounces that that Anaheim got, which, as we know, um, we all love Rask, but... uh, it can get to his head real quick. And then um, we we have the, the mistake of trying to get the call um, on the Marshan um, interference when we he definitely should have realized it's Marshan who's in front of the net and uh, the refs are not exactly going to be uh, not impartial to uh, Brad yeah. Marshan. So we're not going to get the call. And then you get the offside goal. Just a lot of bad breaks led to that loss because the Bruins played well. Um, it wasn't like they had played a bad game. Yeah, but like with the Marshan thing, like I saw, I saw like a fifty-fifty split of people saying, like, it was a penalty. Uh, well, it was an interference, and it wasn't. I thought it was because he definitely like lock skates with the goaltender a little bit just before it. So, I mean, I, what? Sorry, I thought it was well. I one hundred percent agree with you. And the call on the ice was a no goal. So yeah. um, it has to be definitive proof. And yeah. most of the time in the NHL this year, if, if the call on the ice will stand, unless it's you know definitive proof. So don't go upstairs on that because it did cost us the game. Because, you know, Manson's goal, minutes later, yeah, it's in the, it gets him ahead and, you know, puts the bees behind right away. Yeah, that, uh, I think that's one of the main problems. If something doesn't go the Bruins' way, as soon as that gets into the head, that seems to be the moment that the Bruins get scored on. Uh, and if if something goes wrong, then it usually goes wrong in big bunches and not little bits. So uh, I think they've just got to. You've just got to have those guys like Bacchus and Chara, the guys who lead the team out there, to just turn around and go right. Let's calm it down. Well, and I think just, that that's what you that's what you miss from Claude. I think is that Claude was that type of coach that would say like sit on the bench, right? Everyone, calm down. Right. So, but Cassidy's going to learn that. So it's all good. Uh, speaking of Cassidy learning, um, I I think this. I have to say I was actually really surprised about his um, his willingness to start Rask in that game, uh, the Anaheim game. 
just yeah. from just from a stats um, perspective, uh, Rask is Anaheim is one of Rask's three teams that he is absolute has terrible numbers. He's got a uh, sub nine hundred save percentage against Anaheim, and uh, I actually thought that that game would have would have gone to uh, Hudobin just for the pure fact that um, Doby is uh, a former Anaheim player. So uh, I, 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 that's a little judgment, but you know, the next game actually made up for 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 me. I, I don't want to. Yeah. I'm not going to start the Cassidy hate with with his decision last night. I just thought it was a little, you know, um, a little off for me. But, I mean, honestly, do you guys believe that if Hodobin started in, in Anaheim that the the Bruins could, um, you know, reverse their uh, their fortune? I don't know because it, it, it wasn't just the goaltending. It was the whole team. And... Well, it wasn't just the whole team. Like, like Court said, it was a lot of bad bounties going our way, and uh, I think the whole the team as a whole got the mentality that things weren't going right for them, and it just went downhill from there. Whereas in the LA game, you saw them come out, and you could tell they wanted to win. They were like determined to win that game. Mm-hmm. So, also and- interesting stat: Crude played twenty over almost twenty four minutes in that game. Wow. Uh, he had yeah. the he logged the most ice of any defenseman in that game against Anaheim. And uh, to be totally honest with you, that can't happen if we're going to uh, win a game. He's not exactly oh, the yeah. most defensive defenseman. Great puck mover, great offensive defenseman. Um, it's just, you know, Chara should be the one, or or Carlo for that matter, or even Kevin Miller, because he's got more defensive prowess, um, should yeah. be logging more, especially in a game when we're, you know, we were losing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just moving on real quick uh, to the the uh, the LA Kings game, the next night uh, Thursday night. Um, I, this 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 effort really surprised me. Uh, the Bruins don't really. It doesn't matter who's who's behind the bench. Uh, this season, the Bruins just have not shown great effort. I'm not saying that they suck, but not haven't really put it out there on the on the latter part of a uh, of a back to back game. Um, and the effort that they brought into LA was, I just I was blown away. Again, a late game for me. I get up at five in the morning, uh, actually three forty-five in the morning. So, I I, I watched the uh, the replays, the condensed versions. So, uh, I just saw a very passionate game. They, they, like like you said, Rob, they really wanted to go and win. Yeah. But that should be the mentality 100% of the time. But I think it's got to be hard to do that because I guarantee a lot of the players this, like at this stage of the season have little bumps and bruises and there's, there must be stuff going on where they're, they're not feeling 100%. Um, and especially when you play like a hard style like they have been playing. Um, but like... I'm still finding it strange that, like, Bolesky was scratched for the LA game. Um, so it looks like they're trying to stop that hard nosed style of game. And it seemed to work for them in LA. They really uh, moved the puck around a lot. Yeah, but, but he, played, just, he played against Anaheim, which is, I mean, that's his former team. Yeah. I, I get that, but why? And he looked like he had cement in his skates when he played against Anaheim. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's but if you, look, if you look at the LA game, 
that Krejci line was the best line on the ice. And you can also tell that Cassidy felt the exact same way because Krejci got the most ice time in the forwards. He played 20 minutes that game. Bergeron only played 18. Absolutely. Krejci, and Krejci Solaric, Solaric got his goal cold back as well, didn't he? Which, which was a shame. But also, yeah. he learned Cassidy learned his lesson in that game. In the game before, he didn't... Because uh, Colin Miller, he's a great offensive defenseman, but his defensive game, is it, it needs some... Uh, some adjustments, and in that game, he, he in that third period, Colin Miller barely touched the ice. He only ended up getting 10 minutes in that game. You have uh, Solar barely getting any minutes, even after, you know, that line pretty much dominated. Every time they touched the puck when you watched that game, you got excited because it looked like they were about to score. But Cassidy yeah. in that third period, he buckled down and played back as Bergeron. He played uh, Char and Carlo. Those, those are the guys that got the ice time because he wanted to win the game. Yeah, and that's the way we need to play because we we need to seal them regulation wins now and stop giving up like one point to teams. I know it's not it's good that it's not divisional rivals with this trip, and I mean going to shoot out and stuff doesn't really matter as much. But they've got to get it in the head that they want to win. They either want to win in regulation. Or they want to like win in the shootout. Yeah. They don't want to lose and just get that point. So it's absolutely correct. Um, scratch away at any points you can get. The two points are, are, are so much more appreciated as a fan, but especially down the stretch. I mean, I, I believe there's uh, 25 games remaining um, yeah. around there. So you know, whatever you can get is going to count and. And like we've talked about for the last couple of weeks, this Eastern Conference is so tight. It, it's a, it really is amazing yeah. that it's. I mean, it's separated by mere points. So, um, yeah, and we've been pushed out of the wild card. Yeah, uh, and so. you know, and 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 if you look back at that Anaheim game, it, that was a tough one to lose because uh, everybody else lost too. I believe yeah. uh, Toronto lost, Montreal lost, and I. Uh, Court, did you tell me the other day Ottawa lost too? Uh, yeah. Well, Ottawa lost last night. Okay. All right. But Ottawa also lost half their half their team. Yeah. Um, just recently, so. Oh, I was. I watched that game when they were running with eight forwards. Did you see that one? They had eight forwards yeah, I, on the bench. It was crazy. Yeah. So they're they're dropping like flies and. Uh, Toronto tonight even is, is missing uh, Marner and Bozak. So there, there's some points that the Bruins can make up tomorrow uh, because the game's yeah. in hand. None of the teams in that in our division even took advantage of it. And Boston's and still Montreal's, right Montreal's bombing points like it's nothing. Right. Yeah, on, on the news today they're in, in Toronto, they're pretty much saying Montreal's not even going to make the playoffs now the way they're playing. Yeah. So That's that's tough to be sitting in a, uh, in, in a first-place Atlantic position. Um for a majority of and the be told that you're not going to make it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, th- yeah. I'm happy with those results. I mean, just keep tanking. I don't. I really yeah. don't care. But uh, but if you do the math, the Bruins pretty much they can lose maybe seven games out of the remaining left. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, they're going to have a really hard time. Yep. Really hard time to make the playoffs. It's going to be. It, it's definitely going to be another year where it's the last two games of the season are going to be must win. Like, and how many it, how many games do we have against Ottawa? Uh, two? Yes, two. Two games against Ottawa. Yeah. Huge. So, so, yeah, spe- massive games, those. Speaking of the games ahead, why don't we just jump right into that? Uh, 
tomorrow uh, is a nationally televised NBC game against the Dallas Stars, and that's at 1230. Um, I do want to mention that um, Dallas Stars um, TV personality Dave Strader, who recently um, diagnosed with cancer and went through treatment successfully, is returning, uh, or has returned, but um, uh, we'll be calling the game tomorrow for uh, NBC. So uh, kudos to him on his return from uh, just a, a, a terrible disease. I, yeah. yeah, it's really sad. But good to have him back. Uh, but the, the Bruins against the Stars, I, I really wish I, we got to see these two teams more often to get a better uh, evaluation. But, I mean, Dallas isn't really – smoking hot this year like they have been in uh in previous seasons so although they just won 5-2 last night okay and they have so, a certain player that uh you know has maybe a little axe to grind with boston maybe just yeah. a, maybe a tiny one yeah that and his new best friend on the left wing yeah <laughs> yeah but dallas has a five uh, under 500 record 24 27 and 10 uh, they sit yep. in sixth position um, in the Pacific. So, and they're three seven and zero in their last ten, and they've on a two game winning streak. So tomorrow is going to be a very important game. Um, the Dallas Stars can definitely be spoilers, but I expect after the after the the effort that they put the Bruins put together in in L A. Um, I'd like to see them uh, with with the same intensity go into Dallas, end this four game road trip, and uh, head back home for uh, for three more at the TD Garden. So, and that and where that they're game, actually playing better than the road. Yeah, right, right. And uh, next game is uh, Tuesday night, a game I'm going to uh, against the um, Arizona Coyotes. And you're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Uh, there's another home game on Thursday against the New York Rangers. That's going to be a tough test. And to end the week uh, on Saturday, the Bruins play the New Jersey Devils. Um, that's a that's a must-win game as New Jersey is... Uh, sitting uh third to last in the eastern conference so yeah that's that's it for the uh for the uh the games ahead so um real real quick i forgot to mention this um we are now affiliated with amazon.com and i'm i'm super psyched to say announce that um we've added a banner to the website so um, what this does is when you make a purchase, a certain percentage of that purchase kicks back to us uh, for the website members and the writers and uh, the podcast team. So as a, as a family, um, we appreciate anything that you guys can do. If you think about Amazon and you're a constant shopper, please just go to the website, click on the banner and order away. And it doesn't cost anybody anything. It's just a way of uh, advertising for both of us, so real excited about that. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to give kickback to the people that contribute uh, the most. So, 
that's that's important to me to you know show my appreciation for what this team does and it's it's incredible. Uh, Court, since you've been along, uh, awesome numbers. You, you're you're really stepping it up, dude, and I really appreciate that. So no problem. Hey, doesn't the uh, person when they're on our web page have to click on the link first um, for the Amazon link to have the percentage of their purchase come back to us? Yeah. So when you go on the website, you just click on the banner. And it will open up a new page, which is obviously the Amazon page, and then it, it just redirects. So any purchase in there um, is is noted by them that it came from us. So and it doesn't cost uh, our our fans anything extra. Nope, absolutely not. No, if you buy a thing for a dollar, you're paying it for a dollar. You're not paying a dollar and five or anything like that. So just another way to. Uh, Keep the costs down because uh, the uh, the podcast and the uh, website um, it's 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 not overly expensive, but I I like to get some help doing it. But it's fun; we enjoy it. We've been doing this for a solid uh, year now, so I'd like to keep going. Yeah, definitely. All right, so one topic I wanted to bring up: I was listening to. Um, the Steve Dangle podcast, which is, I, I think those guys are absolutely hilarious. And I'm, I'm a fan oh, of yeah. all podcasts. I, I subscribe to probably like 70 of them, which get me through my week, uh, my work week. So I was listening to um, the most recent one, which was recorded on Thursday. And they were talking about the officiating. Now, the Calgary Flames have put up a, a, um, a gripe against the league. And they sat down and I believe had a meeting, as 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 Steve and um, Adam Wilde and Jesse said, and it was a lot of video. Like, why wasn't this called? Why wasn't that called? And and believe it or not, the Flames believe that this is retribution for what happened, I believe, last season oh, with Dennis yeah. with Dennis Weidman. Now, yeah. now I know it's a little off topic and it's not Bruins related, but. What I wanted to talk about was the officiating in itself. Now, lately and this season, I've noticed it more that the, the Bruins just cannot catch a break. Whether it be a goal. Um, uh, did you guys see that offsides call, that, that non-call against Anaheim? Yes, but in all fairness, if you watch it fast, it's tough. I know, but the ref wasn't on. If you even look on the replay, and it's been all over the internet. He wasn't the on the line. The line was not on the line. Right. But I didn't think it was offside when I was watching it live until they showed it on the replay. That's all I'm going to say. Right. It's, it's a tough call, but the linesman should have been on the line. And that if he was on the line, he would have made the right call. And unfortunately, it didn't go that way. And it seems to me that the coach's challenge shouldn't have to be used as much as it is. For offsides because these offsides should be called like the pasture knackle you yeah. know that's that's the largest first goal in the nhl and gets called back it shouldn't even happen it play should have been blown dead and the kid wouldn't even have thought he scored a goal it's tough to you know score a goal you pick up the puck you're giving it to the trainer the trainer's writing on it it's a joyous occasion oh by the way it's no goal yeah i know what a kick in the nuts um actually speaking of peter kleherrick um uh court you wrote a fantastic article about him the other day which i I highly recommend uh, you guys go and read at blackandgoldhockeyblog.com. Um, yeah. 
I, the, the officiating to me is just, it's, it's really tough. Um, it's either hit or miss. I, I know it's a fast game. I get that. But these guys are trained. Um, and it's just got to get better. Because uh, games, games like this, I mean, look at the Bruins. They're out of the playoff picture right now. And, and, you know, one bad call could pretty much ruin a season. And I'm not trying to complain or point fingers or anything like that. But it's, it's just got to get better. So what I wanted to talk about and, just, and get both of your uh, point of views on this is what can the NHL do to get this better, like over the summer, use the downtime effectively, and and get these get these referees and linesmen, you know, better. I don't know if you can if you can give them better training, do it. But I just want to see the the game be uh, officiated better. That's all. So, what do you guys yeah. think? I mean, is it time to I get? Think... Is it time to get? Um, cameras. They're putting cameras everywhere else, but why not on the blue line itself? Yeah, but why? Why not have cameras like have in you know in the NFL they have the um, that constant moving camera that oh, yeah, follows the, the ball, the high wire. Yeah. Yep. Why not have one of them? But like you could probably put one in the uh, um, in the strip around the bottom of the ice, like uh, the board that goes around the bottom. Yeah, that's, the kick what, that's what I was. You thinking. could probably put like. A camera all the way down there, like cameras all the way down, and you could check each individual camera and go right. That's because there was one game where there was an offside call and they challenged it, and the referee was actually stood in front of the the camera that's built into the wall, so they couldn't actually see. Did you? Uh, I'm sure that was one of the Bruins games. I did. I missed it. Sorry. Well, but um. Yeah, they were saying, because I think it was Jack Edwards that was saying, you spend all this money on technology and then a ref being stood out of place right. blows a call. And that's what it's going to come down to this season. You're going to see, like like I said, it's going to be one or two point like between someone making the playoffs and someone not. And that team could be the team that would have won the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like your Stanley Cup champions could miss the playoffs because of one bad call. Right. So I, I just think I think they should just have a th- like three strike policy. If you do something wrong, you get a strike. If you do it three times, you get sent down to the minors or a different league, and someone else comes up because it it shouldn't be happening. The, sometimes it's the same referees over and over again. And I know uh, on the Steve Dangle podcast they were saying about. Um, You've said it before as well. There's a website you can go to and you can check uh, what referees are it's called refereeing scou- the game. It's called scoutingtherefs.com, and they're yeah. also on Twitter, a fantastic follow. They do all kinds of percentages and so on. They really break it down into um, uh, an officiating analytic view. Uh, highly suggest yeah. you check it out. But, but um, yeah, they just... I think they just need to clamp down on it and not, not just let it go and say, "Oh well, it was, it was a mistake," because then players are just going to start head hitting and going, "No, oh, it was a mistake." Mm-hmm. Like that ref d- d- didn't call that right, and I accidentally hit him in the head, so it's the same thing. So they've just got, I think, three strike policy. Get him sent down. 
bring someone else up. Try that out. I like it. Court, I you... also okay. I think they should be taking the uh, the video replay out of the ref's hands. This little uh, 4K screen that they have down in the penalty box is kind of oh, getting yeah. out of hand, especially in that win in the uh, the Minnesota game a couple weeks ago when it was blatantly offside. And then they they say there's not defend enough proof that Parisi was offside on that goal. It's like you know a full player's length he was offside. Or last year, for instance, when um, Boston had the goal called against them in Florida. When the puck is clearly in the net, mm-hmm. clearly yeah. in the net, and they call no goal because the the ref is not going to go against it because they say definitive proof. But I've been noticing if the ref calls like no goal or calls no offside, it's very rarely he's going to want to turn against himself. But if they leave it up to the Toronto and let Toronto make the call, it takes it out of everybody's hands, and we're probably yeah. going to get better calls. And it's not going to be an emotion because the ref, a lot of, nine times out of ten, doesn't want to be proved wrong. No one yeah. likes being proved wrong. So let Toronto make the call. The ref should not be making the call. It also it slows down the game. They're taking just... forever. That it slows down the game like ridiculous. That Minnesota game supposedly took them like ten minutes to make this call. Come yeah. on, guys. Let was... Toronto make the call. And they've already made the call before the ref has even looked at it. Toronto's already decided that's a goal or not. They can already see it. Yeah. That, no, I was about to uh, follow uh, the the time uh, on top of your point, Court. So. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a great idea. Have Toronto do everything um, and and speed the game up, but they should do a crowd meter. <laughs> Whoever cheers the loudest gets the call. Or just put one of those put one of those like game show remotes under their seat. So yeah, <laughs> just like, like a vote. It's like a vote. Yeah, but um, it's also funny with them little four monitors because they play. On the on the scoreboard at the same time, like exactly what he's watching, and the amount of times you just hear like the TD Garden boo, like mad when they know that it's offside and it gets called. It's just it's so funny to watch. <laughs> but uh, and that, I don't that think, would happen. Yeah, I don't think you're ever gonna get refing down to a perfect art though. Like there's gonna be mistakes every season. And there's at least going to be a couple of big mistakes, but this year has been really bad. Yeah, that's why. That's why I wanted to bring it up because I, if, me personally, I just seen more this year than I have in the past, and especially. And I think it's because more power's been put into the refs' hands with this whole coaches' challenge thing. Right. So. Yeah, take take as much power away from the refs as possible. All right, um, uh, let's dangle a little bit um, with the uh, some uh, some trade rumors. Um, yeah. Recently, I mean, it, it's it's this has been going back for at least a season now, but um, Kevin Shattenkirk to Boston is is still a hot topic, even though I cannot stand rumors. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just real quick. I had a conversation with somebody on Twitter, and they they proposed a um a trade to me, and I was like, wow, that's really not that bad. I wish I remembered where I put my notes on that trade, but I said that's really not bad. I mean, the picks were good, the money was good, it worked out well. But I asked for the source, and it came back with a hockey press or NHL trade talk or whatever, you know, and yeah. I was just like, that's not a source, 
you know, and it got in the argument, if they put NHL on it, it must be the NHL. So I kind of like, kind of weaseled my way out of that conversation because it was just not, not worth my time. But yeah, there's interesting stuff that's coming about the, the, um, the Shattenkirk that he, the, the St. Louis Blues offered a sign and trade to two teams and he rejected both of them. And they, they yeah, were they lightning were, and who was the other one? Oh, I didn't know there were teams. Tampa Tampa Bay and someone else. It oh, was Tampa Bay has been known, but they've also yeah. admitted already that uh, the contract got out. How much he declined the the six million dollar a year because he is looking for seven. Which if Boston pays him that, then Sweeney should be fired. But uh, it, it wasn't Tampa that offered him that contract. So it was the other team. So he rec- he declined the trade to Tampa and another team that they haven't been named yet. But, but it looks like the Leafs are in hot to get him. And I hope to God they do so that people will stop talking about it because we really shouldn't get him. Right. Yeah. It, 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 everybody has their opinions about that. But the, the one thing that I that caught my attention was um, this, this rumor that he passed down the two teams, which are now you guys mentioned, to pursue a deal to go to Boston. What? Mm. Does that hold, does that hold water at all? No, because I also heard Rangers as well. Yeah, yeah, I've heard the Rangers are hot for him too. Because they for some yeah. they have to replace that that Keith Yandel kind of player, and he kind of fits that role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they were they they said all along that he's been aiming for East Coast, right. um, like American East Coast. Yeah. Well, he he grew up in or was born in Greenwich, Connecticut, so he's got ties yeah. to the New England area. Yeah, and didn't he play? Where where did he play juniors? A Boston University. Yeah, so there's, there's ties to the Boston area, but sure. at the same time, people were saying this about Jimmy Vesey. <laughs> I know <laughs> that was crazy. So the Vesey Kool Aid. Like, <laughs> yeah, just just stop this. Like every time there's a time, like someone's like, "Oh, Kevin Shanker wants farted in Boston. Let's get him." <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm sick. I'm sick of hearing like these rumors of someone's got a house near Boston. Someone's like, someone's pets from Boston. I don't care. Like this, we shouldn't be building a team around just because someone once went to Boston. It doesn't matter. I, I get the whole hometown boy mentality, the Frank Vetrano effect, where every time he scores in the TD Garden, he goes insane because. He once was a kid and went to the TD Garden. But you're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Like that, that also goes wrong when you get guys like Jimmy Hayes. Yep. Do you want to pay seven million for Kevin Chattenkirk and find out he doesn't work with the Bruins? Right. No. And he, so he, plus, he he's a right-handed defenseman that only plays the right side. Uh, the same as Carlo, the same as McAvoy. So what you're going to do? Have seven million plus two high prospect kids pl- possibly playing the right side next season, mm-hmm. and having Adam McQuaid and Kevin Miller under contract. And to the Boston fans, McAvoy's the next coming of Jesus. So um, the last thing you want to do is hinder his uh, progression because if we put him out there, that means Carlo now goes down to the second pairing, and McAvoy. There would be no reason for even to him to even make the club next year. 
Yeah, and why would he come and play third pair minutes when he can yeah. stay at the university and play top pair minutes? And why would he even come? To, why would he come to Boston? Period. He would. He, yeah. he can just do exactly what Vizi did and just not come and go play anywhere he wants. It looks yeah. like they all go to the Rangers anyway, so let him go to the Rangers. Oh, court. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> if we want no, Shattenkirk Kirk that bad, I know. If everybody wants that bad, you're gonna have to make like sacrifices. I just don't see it. It's just I've been saying it all year. He makes no sense. We've only got eleven million in cap next year. You have Spooner and Pasternak to sign. That's that's Pasternak is going to take up at least five million, maybe even more. Yeah. And yeah. Spooner's going to take three to four. I've seen people say it there. Oh, he'll take a three million dollar contract for Pasternak. Well, no, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, Pasternak's going to be long term big money, like no. guaranteed. Dude. It's got to be. If, if Sweeney signs in for a two to three year deal, everyone is going to go absolutely insane. And I guarantee he'll probably either be sacked or laughed out of town. Oh, yeah. Everybody's saying bridge deal, but that, that makes no sense with the skill that you have from Pasternak. They're going to try and lock yeah. him up as, as for the least amount of money for the longest amount of term, maybe even 6.5. So Shattenkirk does not fit into anything that makes sense in our cap. I was plus you. You saw that. Um, you saw those stats that I retweeted the other day. Um, that if Pasternak was playing a full season and wasn't out with an injury and a suspension, he'd be on pace for a forty-goal, seventy-two-point season. It's a hell yeah. of a contract, but yeah. Why? Why? Why would you bridge deal that? Like in his third year of playing pro hockey, that's the type of numbers. That when you're putting that up, you lock them up. I, I was one so, of the Phrygia guys. Yeah, I suggested like it. You might, yeah, you might be lucky to get Spooner on a lower on a shorter term contract, but he's not going to be cheap either. And you'd rather have Spooner and Pasternak than just have Shattenkirk. But the problem is all these rumors out there. No one thinks about the other thing or think about the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the the one thing that bothers me about the Shattenkirk thing is if he comes to Boston, he comes to Boston. It's, it, it is whatever it is. But it's what's going to happen after he's done and with a short uh, sample size. Because there's a lot of people that I've I've talked to that say that um, he, he could go somewhere and not be happy and, and not want to play there. So basically, you're, you're setting up for a rental. And I've uh, I've read a few articles that said uh, that Don Sweeney is not prepared to make any moves with the future for rental players um, because it, it to be honest with you guys and and I you know I'd love to hear your opinions but I don't see this Bruins team even though the coaching change has been a, an inspiration to this franchise and you know really stepped it up the players have really gone in a direction that I didn't think would happen. But I don't see them going to win a Stanley Cup this year. So I don't want them to make moves that are going to appropriate a thought like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, point in, no point in giving up the future for like yeah, possible second round. Right. I mean, it, I, the goal yeah. right now is like we've all said all season – is make the playoffs, it, it, and I, I think if you do that, you're going to be a one and done round. I just, yeah. you know, you don't have the the complete package of players that are going to 
that show me on paper that are going to go to a, uh, to a Jeremy Jacobs expectations back in in late September. So I I just I don't I, the future. I'm a huge prospect guy, as everybody knows. I that's this is all I basically do is watch hockey and prospect. So I I just don't want to see. P- players like Ascension or McAvoy, that these guys just have so much upside and they're not even in the NHL yet, given away for a player that's probably not going to resign here. Yeah, uh-huh. and I saw I saw someone talking about um, I can't remember who the defenseman was, but it was it, it was basically like a rental guy, UFA at the end of the season. And someone said giving Zaboral and a third. And I was like we don't have. Hang a third. on, why would you? Yeah, but why would you give Zaboral anyway? I know because, look, like that guy's never touched the NHL. I mean, we don't know what we've got with him yet. He's going to be in Providence next season. It's not a guy you get rid of, right? But I, I think a lot of people that don't look at the prospects and see what they do with their own eyes. I mean, they probably look at a piece of paper or a screen and say right he's plus this and blah 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 if you see him with your own eyes no one thought McAvoy was going to be that great at the draft until the junior like the juniors thing yep. the world cup well, and then yeah and then everyone went absolutely crazy because they saw how he could play so I mean if you watch these guys you'll realise that there's no, no point in really giving anyone up because mm-hmm. a lot of these players have a chance to make the NHL. so. And also, if you look at what we have in assets, like Mark just literally did a nice segue onto the draft picks. We don't have the draft picks to trade for rental players right now because those are usually third-round picks. We don't have one. Right. Yeah. Right. So we don't even have that pick. You're not You're not going to get a rental player for a fifth-round draft pick. So, But you do have, have, you do have guys assets. like Bileski yeah. who are scratched. But mm-hmm. Bolesky's got a contract that who's want to who's going to want want to take that contract unless you're going to take some money back. And if you're trading for a rental player who's an unrestricted free agent, you're not taking any money back. Well, no, because there's teams like Arizona that would take that, and Colorado that would probably take that. Yeah, but Arizona took when they take a contract because that GM is probably one of the smartest in the league. He's taking it for a a first round pick. Like you look what he did. He took the Detroit contract, but at the same time, he was able to get Chaturin. So he did it for yeah. a reason. There was there was a meaning. He's not just going to take the contract just so you take his unrestricted for agent. That's going to be tough. Well, yeah, and yeah. Arizona also has uh, Sean Pronger still on the books. And Chris Dan, and Dan, oh, I'm sorry, Chris. His brother was Sean, right? All right. Maybe. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, so they took those contracts on to get to the floor. Of the cap, yeah. So they, they could be compliant. So, um, and they got a lot of they got a lot of cap space. I don't know, you know, man. I, when you talk about Arizona, I'd love to see a guy like um, Oliver Ekman Larson in in black yeah, and gold. Yeah, but that's never gonna happen. I know, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> that kid is not leaving that hockey team until <laughs> he's dead. Right? Yeah, yeah, never. He is world class. On an absolutely crap team, hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, when you look, when you look at all the cap space on CapFriendly.com, yeah, you know, and this is going to segue into our. Um, this is actually our first trade talk. So, I mean, uh, trade deadline discussion, I believe. Um, 
you look at teams that are up against it, those teams are going to want to shed salary to get, you know, a little more comfort zone uh, with money. And teams that obviously have money um, are probably going to be taking on contracts to, you know, get to that, that, that cap floor. But I, I don't see a lot of movement from the Bruins. The Bruins are up against it. They probably got, uh, I think, four, four, a little over $4 million in space. Yep. So, um, this, uh, would, I think it's time we just talk about what we'd like to see the Bruins do. Um, and um, I set up um, with, the, uh, with Rob and Court uh, yesterday that we talk about the three players that we'd like to see come in. And if, if anybody has more than three, they're welcome to, to talk about it. But um, uh, I, I'll just start with my first one. And I, I, I want to see the goaltending addressed. I think that's going to be the need. I, I, I'm not sold on the efforts of Anton Hudobin, um, uh, version two. Uh, he's, he, he has been playing well. I got to give him credit. Um, but I'm not sold on uh, his future plans in Boston. So I, I know I've mentioned it in, in previous um, podcasts, but uh, a guy that is available and is in the minors in Bridgeport, uh, the Islanders affiliate. Uh, Yaroslav Halak um, might be a player that the uh, Islanders want to move um, soon. And he's got 388 career NHL games. He's 206, 123. Uh, he's got a 2.42 goals against and a 916 save percentage through his career. Uh, this season in Bridgeport, when he went down, uh, he's 13-2-2 in 17 games played. And um, he's got a nine, 1.96 GAA and a .932 save percentage. And he's making $3.5 million, even in the minors. So, yeah. and, and that's capable money against the Islanders. So that's probably something that they're going to want to move. And I know I've mentioned it before. He's got one one year remaining on his contract, and 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 when you look at the games remaining, like I said earlier, it's probably twenty five games. The cap, you know, it'll it'll work out with the remaining games that he if if, if he's acquired. Um, like he's yeah. a vet, he's a veteran. He's got some solid skills. I've seen a couple uh, Bridgeport Sound Tigers games versus the Providence Bruins, and and he played very well. And I think that. It wouldn't take much to get him away from the Islanders, and and I'm pretty sure that other teams are going to be talking um, with uh, General Manager Garth Snow before before the first. So, yeah, and I'd love to see the Bruins do what every other team has been doing for the past few years and start throwing conditional picks out. Yes, like if you're going to go after Halak, make it. What a fourth round, a conditional fourth round pick, and it's a sixth round if they don't make the playoffs, and then you're not really losing out, are you? Mark, how many years left does uh, Halak have on his deal? One full season. Okay, so here, here's a way to actually dump contracts in both ways, um, and I can't believe I'm going to say it, but they want his contract off the books. He's making what four point something? Uh, Halak yeah. three point five. Three point five, and what? How much is Hayes making? 
Right around the same. Two, two point, point two, 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 two point five. five. You yeah. just save the Islanders a million dollars, and they both contracts end at the end of next year. So yeah. if they if they can't move them, you you just say to them, hey, I can save you a million dollars in cap, and then we, we could fit it in because we would probably more than likely have to get rid of some money to bring his contract in because he'd be a great backup, a great backup. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree with that. Um, and and you're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. I'm not sure if if the Islanders would would want to freaking uh, retain any of that money, but but no one else is going to take it. That's right. what I'm saying. Right, and they'd have to retain money to make this deal work. Right. Yeah. So and they both have the exact same contract ending year. So with with with. With all that being said, okay, if if you bring in a, a player like Halleck, or you don't, do you st- you stand firm with the, with what you have now and explore your options in free agency? Because if you guys uh, uh, look on CapFriendly.com, there's a pretty um, impressive list of goaltenders that are going to be available. Now, I'm not saying a lot of these big names are going to want to take up a backup role, but some of them might in fact do that like a player like michael nervo i i, I think i just hacked his name no he's a yeah. <laughs> there you go thanks for yeah. that. and rob's brought him up uh, several times in in in, uh, in past shows so yeah and i think i think he's a guy that you could trade for this season like you could you could get him before he even goes to free agency and then you've got the seven days of contract talk with him at the end of the year before yep. he hits free agency yep so there's, there's possibilities there. I mean, I, I think he's making like two million, something like that. Um, but one I mean, point, that one, that'll probably go his one cap, point one. One point seven is his cap hit. Ah, one point seven. So I mean, it's not too bad. It's I'd say it's probably better than he's he's playing better than our backup has. So right. I don't know. And because of the expansion draft, every backup is available. Yeah, yeah. and and you got it, and that intangible is always there too. Um, good point, Court. I, that's that's something that that could definitely throw a, a, um, a wrench into the gears of any team in the NHL. Just that, just that fact of the expansion. So, you know whose backup isn't available? Who's that? Dallas, because both of them had no movement clauses. Oh my god. <laughs> And, oh, and no one, no one's touching those albatross contracts. Oh, Jim Nil, man, yeah. general manager Jim Nil must be just shaking his head, thinking that he could be successful with um, with two goaltenders that are making, uh, you know, combined salaries of, of uh, I think, eleven, twelve million, something like that. Yeah, it's yep. ridiculous. So, um, who's next? Uh, let's let's hear uh, your choices. Court, you uh, can go yeah. next. All right, so for goaltender, um, the one I picked um, was uh, – I talked about him last week, actually. It was uh, Keith Kincaid um, just because he is a capable backup. He's uh, under a million dollars, and he can come in and give some relief um, to Rask for the rest of the season, and he won't cost as much because my, my trade picks are really um, a way to uh, get some players in but uh, not have to pay a lot for it because I don't want to give up any of the future. Yeah. Because we want to keep him, just like Rob was saying. Right. And then um, I got Steve Ott as a forward. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, he could go on the fourth line. Um, he's got some toughness, uh, and he uh, he won't cost us pretty much anything because he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. And Detroit's not making the playoffs, so it's it's an easy it's an easy pull in. He could be a, a fifth or sixth round draft pick, no problem, to bring him in. Who's your goalie, Rob? Um, I went with Hutchinson, the guy I've been calling all season yep. to come to the Bruins. Um, the the way I did this um, trade deadline is, I thought if I was the GM, what would I do? And I thought I'd bring in three players who we could afford with our cap space right now uh, without having to give up any roster players. Mm-hmm. So we'd create the depth. I think we were all, I think and, we were all uh, in the same boat. Sounds like a yeah. great idea, Rob. And uh, I picked Michael Hutchinson as my goalie. I think he's proved that he's a capable backup. Um, he's lost his spot to a younger guy who, who's... Um, like higher up in the depth chart, so needs to play games. But he's definitely a guy who can get points for the Bruins. Um, plus, he has that familiarity. I can't fucking, I can't speak. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he has that with the Bruins uh, as he played for Providence for a long time. Um, and then when I, I went on to my defenseman, I went to. Detroit because they're going to be selling everyone and I picked Chara's favourite person uh, Brendan Smith oh. <laughs> Riley Smith's brother <laughs> yes so explain, explain it might why. actually happen in practice <laughs> why I picked him or why he's his best friend why you picked him a little bit of both. I, oh, I, I well, have a good um, idea why he's the best friend but <laughs> I just yeah. want, to, I want to hear why. You well, it all goes back to. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a playoff game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. playoffs. Was that first round? And um, yeah, and Chara and Brendan Smith started jabbing at each other, and Chara laughed at him, <laughs> and that didn't really go down well with Brendan Smith, and uh, he kind of pussyfooted around, didn't drop his gloves, and got laughed out of town. So oh, it was all good. That. But at the same time, he is a. Gr- Great third pair in defenseman on a really small contract, and uh, he's got term. He's the only guy who has term in my deals. Uh, he's got another year in a contract. It's cheap. I think it's one point two five million. So um, yeah, I, I, I think he'd do a lot better on that third pairing uh, than I think you'd. Scratch a guy like Adam McQuaid or Kevin Miller and play him instead. Um, and then when I went for my forward, I thought the Bruins could use some help scoring depth-wise. Um, and I went for Redeem Verbata from Arizona. Million-dollar cap it. Uh, UFA at the end of the season. And he's got a really nasty shot. Good power play specialist, too. Oh yeah, and there was a a game the other night, and someone made the pass to him. It was a really bad pass. Uh, it kind of like was going in between his legs, and he just like took a step back, one time a uh, top roof, and that's what we need. We need we we've got Pasternak, but teams are going to start like doubling up on Pasternak. Yeah, the book. You need on that him. other yeah. You need that other guy who's 
going to get open and redeem Vibata is that guy. So and he's got he's got speed as well, which yeah, is something is the Bruins fast. could really he's use. Very fast. Yeah. Um, so my, that's my three guys. My defenseman is. Um, I really like this guy, and I've been watching. I'm watching him a lot more lately, um, especially when the trade deadline is is looming. And I, I got to say, Ryan Ellis from the Nashville Predators. Yeah. Um, uh, this season, he's got nine goals, sixteen assists, twenty five points, and fifty two games played. Uh, he's got three hundred thirty three career games in the NHL. Uh, thirty nine goals, eighty nine assists, one hundred twenty eight points in that time. Uh, he's 26 years old, and he's got two full seasons, so he's got term. Um, and he's only – this is what kills me. Is this, this, guy, this guy is making a very friendly $2.5 million. Yeah. So, oh, I, I mean, and, you know, after the, after the two full seasons, he's going to want to get paid, and I understand that. But uh, the, guy, the guy's a solid, solid defenseman. Uh, a good puck mover, and and lately all I've heard is Sweeney saying that I mean he really wants to aggressively get uh, defensemen that have puck moving skills, um, yeah. It, which is not a bad idea because right now, basically you got as your puck movers you got uh, Colin Miller and and Tory Krug, in, in my opinion. But I would like to see two or maybe three more of those types of players that can really um, increase the percentage of um, of uh, puck possession. So, um, and Ryan Ellis is a little bulldog as well. He is He's too. He's a lot like he Tory Krug. And, yeah, and he's... with... Sorry. Uh, so, uh, sorry, Rob. <laughs> sorry. The, um, the additions of Dante Fabro in last year's draft and uh, Samuel Girard... Um, and their progression in, in, in university and uh, in junior hockey. Um, and with the current players as um, Subban, Yossi, and Ekholm, um, this might make Ellis a little more appealing to Nashville to move. Um, I, I don't see them like in a position that they need to shed salary, but um, if... If they could move him, I'd move him with the progression of the, just the younger players. So, yeah. But yeah, he's a good puck mover, very solid. He's got really good offensive skills. Uh, can definitely jump in when needed. Um, I like his vision on the ice. Uh, he he's got um, great eyes to to spot that um, that stretch pass, and I I'm a big fan of that stretch pass. So let's get it right out of the zone. Get it up in the neutral area and and you know progressively move forward. Um, so that's my pick for the uh, defenseman. And I'm, he's also got a great beard. I yeah. great beard, great I, beard. I forgot to write that in my notes, but <laughs> I love it. Uh, we're like freaking seven hundred miles away, and you're, you're practically in my head. <laughs> um. I'm just gonna jump in with my with my with my forward and and as as people might um, criticize uh, Court's decision on the Red Wings selection of Steve Ott, um, I I'm probably because he's get, hated by the team, yeah. right? Right. I'm probably gonna mm-hmm. get beat up with this one, but uh, why not take a chance uh, and a low risk on Thomas Vanek? Um, I believe he's he's 
kind of turned his career around. I know he's playing on a one-year deal right now uh, for $2.6 million, so another cap-friendly move. Uh, he's got 47 games played with the Wings this season. He's got 15 goals, 23 assists, 38 points. Um, and he's uh, very he's 864 career games and uh, approaching uh, 700 points. So uh, he's 33 years old, uh, so I know this is kind of an age thing, but um, I don't know. I think he could add something to any, uh, you know, any, any of the other 29 teams in the league. So, um, yeah, he's a proven I, playoff performer as well. Right. You know, he, yeah. did, he, did, he did it against us when he was on the uh, the the team that shouldn't be named, the Montreal Canadiens. Right. Um, the last time we were in the playoffs, Vanek was Vanek was one of the reasons. He's he, known as the Bruins killer, though, I, isn't he? He's done one. it with every team that he's been with. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, it, it it's just one of those uh, like like we've all had on our list is as a player that uh, it's low low money, uh, low risk. You don't have to like throw back any any future talents or anything like that, but. Um, if yeah. there's somebody on the left side that you know isn't really producing, um, you could probably look at the Bruins roster and figure that out um, in an opinion statement. But um, I just think he'd add something if there was a move to be made. But regardless, you're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Um, Plus, he can play both wings, can Vanek. Yeah, so yes. and that's that's one of the reasons why I kind of I kind of like went towards that is because, like if he, if if the left side's um producing well, then and somebody yeah. on the right side like Jimmy Hayes is not playing well, you could you could you could do the switch with that, you know. So plus he's a hired gun, so you you don't really care whether he's not happy about playing up and down the roster. So you yep. could stick him on the fourth third line. And not worry about him being annoyed about it, because he's going to go to free agency anyway. There's no way we're going to re-sign him. Like to me, if you pick up a guy like Thomas Vanek, he is a rental, yeah. and that's it, because he's going to ask for big money off any team. So, well, not not big money like seven million, but he might ask for like four million due to like the points that he's put up in the past. Yep. So, I, I, I think all three of the forwards we've picked, are all, all guys over thirty-three, <laughs> um, all but guys it's, hitting it's, UFA. It's so we so, don't have to give up much to get them, right? Pl- yeah. Plus, you, you never know who's coming next year. Like, mm-hmm. you never know who's going to come out of camp just lighting it up. Um, you never know if they're going to pick up another, like Frank Vitano type, out of free agency. Who knows? So it's good to keep roster spots open. And by taking UFAs who are only here as a rental, that's good. Now, but I like your idea of um, Ott as well. I, I forgot to mention. He's another versatile guy who can play basically any position bar defense yeah. and goaltending. He, he's played center. He plays on the left wing, plays on the right wing. Um, plus, if you want if you want to do the whole Bruins thing where you're bringing in leadership players, then Ott's one of those guys that should be coming. A hundred percent. And then for my defenseman that I was looking at, came the idea came from uh, 
Brandon Chercon from the Causeway Crab, friend of the show. Uh, he put an article about Noah Hannah uh, as a possible uh, replacement on the left side of the D, especially since Chara uh, has got one year left on his deal. He won't be coming back after that. We're going to need someone to actually fill in that void. Hannafin is a two-way defenseman. Uh, last year, he got 22 points. This year, he's got 15 right now. He wouldn't cost us an arm and a leg to bring him in. He would cost us a first-round draft pick and, a, and one of our, our young prospects, possibly two of them. But we could get away with bringing him in and not having to give up McAvoy or, Car- uh, or Carlo because they're actually chock full of defensemen in Carolina. We could actually give up possibly one of our uh, young forward prospects. And I, I, Mark will probably hate this, but I could say Seneshin because he's actually a sexy pick to go to Carolina. And our first-round pick could bring this kid in and could solve the huge problem that we have on the left side. And it would actually be a good trade for now and the future and would work on so many levels. I don't know what you guys think about that. Plus, you can give up a guy like Morrow as just a little sweetener because yep. he's a restricted free agent. you got good chance of re-signing him, can play the bottom pair, especially for a team like Carolina. Could easily pay, play their third pair. So... And Sweeney scouted Carolina last yeah. night. So, I mean, there's a, there's a few players that I'd love off Carolina, but uh, no, Hannafin is definitely one of them. Um, so, like you said, it's the left side of the defense that needs work. Um, if they can bring a guy, like, that guy is going to be a stud in a few years. Mm-hmm. So, if they can try and buy low, uh, I'd definitely go for it. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't cost his prospects, but yeah, but I wouldn't be that disappointed with giving up one for like a, a good forward prospect for a guy who's gonna possibly be a top two pairing defenseman. And and even another defense like a, a Lozon, um, it, it could happen. It's just we wouldn't have to give up a McAvoy and a Carlo to get him. Right. Yeah. And it could so help you us keep now. your franchise. Yep. Type defenseman. Yeah, because yeah, they've already got Justin Falk. The... They don't need McAvoy. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's definitely interesting, but it's it's one of them. Do you do you believe that it's uh, Hannafin? Because the Bruins aren't known for buying young players, are they? Not no. Really. Like they they more go after the older veteran guys. But is that a change with? Uh, Cassidy in charge? Is he wanting a younger guy that he can mould? Because you can't really mould an older guy into a type of defenseman. Whereas if you go and get a young guy who's 20-21, then you've got a good chance. He's playing the young kids. Cassidy brought up Solaric and he's he's been been playing great. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Julian didn't want to bring him up. Julian had him sitting in the minors all year. Mm -hmm. So it it could be... it could be one of those perfect fits and a perfect storm and actually work out and we could actually bring this in because Sweeney's looking at things differently than past GMs. Sweeney is does have a plan, is drafting well, is got we now have the stable of all the young, young defensemen sitting in sitting with in our minor league system. So Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I and just... when you think about it, it is a uh, it is crazy when you think of the number of defensemen prospects we actually have. Yeah. 
I'm looking at uh, CapFriendly.com, and I'm on the um, the Carolina Hurricanes um, area of the website, and uh, Justin Falk is the only defenseman on the team that is making four point eight million dollars, and mm-hmm. everybody else under him is under a million dollar deal. Three of them yeah, are yeah. E- three of them are ELCs, uh, which is Noah Hannafin, Brent Pesci, and uh, Jacob Slavin. Yep. And that's that's really interesting to me that they they really have a um, a decor that's under twenty, right around twenty five. The average, actually, the average is twenty two. So now, say we did get Hannafin, would he have to be protected? Uh, no, because he'd be under ELC. Yeah. So so that's even better because then we'd still be able to protect Colin Miller, and we'd have Hannafin. We wouldn't even have to protect him. Yeah, Noah Hannafin has um, one more season of entry level, and then he's RFA in 2018-19. Yeah. So it's like a win-win. Right. Because the Colorado stuff, that's over. Those talks are done. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't see Sweeney doing anything about that. Carlo is off the table, and so is McAvoy, and, and which is great. He stuck to his guns. Yeah. Mm, those yeah. guys aren't coming. Didn't make a trade just for the sake of a trade, which is I hate a great sign. Yeah. Sometimes the best trade is the no trade. Yeah. And let's see if uh, Peter Torelli does that in Edmonton. We all <laughs> know what he's going to do. Come on. He's going well, to trade McDavid, for God's sakes. Uh, oh, I wouldn't go that far. but No, uh, I know. Seen, that's sarcasm. I've seen all the rumors of Eberle going and everything like that, and it's kind of funny to see that everyone said that it wasn't PC, it was someone else. So it's funny that it's happening over there. But it, it's one of those, like, when you were saying about the, the cap hit as well with the guys in um, Carolina, look at Justin Falk. That guy is an all-star defenseman. Great puck mover. Making $4 million with term. Like, that is crazy. Yeah, he's got three full seasons left. Yeah, I I just hope to God like we start signing some of our younger guys to contracts like that because we're gonna need it down the stretch. Especially when you've got guys like Marshand and everyone who have like Marshand has what eight years left he... on his new contract. Yes, right around there. <laughs> yeah, so that's gonna be a fun eight years. So. Yeah. All right. Um, let's dive right into some um, prospect talks because we, this is a great show. We've I've been having a great time. So um, yeah, me too. Uh, first of all, I'd like to um, mention the Providence Bruins Fan Club Steak Fry again. Uh, tickets uh, final sales of the tickets uh, will be March fifth or until uh, sold out. Uh, this year's Steak Fry is held at the Riviera Restaurant. On Tuesday, March 21st at 6 p.m., uh, tickets for adults are $25, $15 for children. Um, proceeds to benefit the Special Olympics Rhode Island and Hasbro Children's Hospital. Um, if you go into the, um, the dunk to watch the Providence Ruins play at all, you can go to the fan club table, which is uh, behind Section 101 near the guest services. And if you'd like to get tickets and not going to be at the game, you can contact uh, the fabulous Rhonda LaBush at 
0953. And uh, got to give a shout out to all the members of the Providence Bruins Fan Club for um, their time and effort in, in helping um, uh, children. So get your tickets. Go and meet some uh, Bruins uh, from current Providence Bruins players. Uh, I recently got an update from Rhonda, uh, who I, I, I always keep in touch with. Uh, for Providence Bruins news, uh, she also said that um, former NHL Bruins alumni will be in attendance too. So, great opportunity to get some signatures and and meet some of the old uh, the old gentlemen. So, um, the baby bees, they are playing well. Um, since we're doing the show today and it's a Saturday. Um, they only had two games last week, which was uh, on February 19th at the Dunk Donut Center against the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, uh, the first place Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in the Atlantic Division. Um, they beat them 3-2. to two. Uh, First period goal by Danton Heinen, who scored his 10th from Marshall and Randall at 12-21. The second period, Sean Curlihay scored his 10th with assist from Heinen at 7:47. And the third period, Jordan Swartz scores his 13th from Simpson in Nebraska, 15-56. The win goes to Zane McIntyre, who continues to be red-hot in the AHL with a 14-0-1-1 record, and he made 37 saves on 39 shots. The next game was actually on Friday night, which was last night against the Bridgeport Sound Tigers and the Providence Bruins beat the Tigers 2-1 to one. Uh, first period um, Sean Curlally <laughs> scored his 11th uh, assisted by Cross and Heinen at 3.39 uh, the second period Big Rob O'Gara scores his third goal from Swarge and DeBrosk at 10.30 and that's the way the game ended um, McIntyre got the win and um, there's the, the team's on a two game winning streak and that c- continues tonight as they go for three in a row at Webster Bank Arena versus the Bridgeport Sound Tigers again at 7pm and at the dunk tomorrow at 3.05 against the Springfield Thunderbirds so an exciting week of Providence Bruins hockey and I will definitely be watching um, with that said, the uh, Providence Bruins are 31, 14, 5, and 4 in 54 games played with 71 points. Uh, they moved up over Bridgeport to claim the third position in the Atlantic Division, third in the Eastern Conference, only six behind leading Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. In the OHL, Zach Senishin, my boy, don't trade him. <laughs> <laughs> had a goal and two assists in an 8-1 to victory over the Niagara Ice Dogs a week ago today and had three assists in last night's 6-5 win over the Sarnia Sting. The Sioux Greyhounds are on a two-game winning streak and have clinched a playoff spot in the Western Conference with their 40-15-2-1 record with 10 games remaining in the regular season. Uh, this so far updated uh, in 36 36- in 49 games played, Senechin has 36 goals, 18 assists, and 54 points. Uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Jeremy Lawson from the Rouen Miranda Huskies, 
had an assist in last week's 8-4 win over Cape Breton and two assists in last night's 5-2 win over Drummondville. This season, in 29 games played, he has four goals, 18 assists, 22 points. Staying in the queue with Jakob Sporl, the St. John Sea Dogs, went on a three-game stretch without a point, but snapped that last night with a helper in, the, in last night's 3-2 overtime loss to Cape Breton. In 41 games played, Jakob has nine goals, 24 assists, and 33 points. In the WHL, uh, Jesse Gabriel of the Prince George Cougars, uh, in his last six games previous to last night, the 2015 draft pick only had one assist but snapped out of his uh, recent funk with a goal and an assist in last night's 4-1 win over the Edmonton Oil Kings. In 52 games played this season, Jesse has 27 goals, 30, 23 points for 50 points. I'm sorry, 27 goals, 23 assists for 50 points. Talking is hard. Uh, in the NCAA, uh, Anders Bjork, uh, Notre Dame University, had an assist in last night's 3-1 win over BU and continues his point streak to five games. Uh, with one game remaining in the NA, in the NCAA season, uh, it doesn't look like the junior forward will see his first 50-point season. Uh, his point production has uh, gone up every year, having 22 as a freshman in 2014-15, 35 as a sophomore in 2015-16, and as a junior, like I said, he has a career-high 44 points this season. Uh, 19, <laughs> 19 goals, 25 points, 25 assists, 44 points. Uh, continued in the NCAA, uh, Trent Frederick. Wisconsin University had a goal in last night's 3-2 win over Minnesota. Uh, with that goal, he continues his freshman season best point streak to seven games. Uh, in those seven games, he contributed eight goals and five assists. So he's, he's continued to be red hot and, and really turning the heads of uh, naysayers when the Bruins picked him in the first round. Uh, this season, in 23 games played, he's got 15 goals, 16 assists, and 31 points. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Unfortunately, his uh, compadre and teammate, Cameron Hughes of Wisconsin, uh, did not have a point in last night's win over the Golden Gophers. Um, He currently snapped a very impressive 12-game point streak, which I paid very close attention to and was really pulling for him, but all good things always come to an end. Uh, the, big forward, the big junior forward has a career-high 29 points this season and has a chance to get to uh, the 70 points, the 70-point mark in his collegiate career with five games remaining. And my last and not least, Ryan Donato from Harvard University, had an assist in last night's 4-1 to win over Clarkson. Uh, he now has five points in his last two games. The Crimson's last regular season game is tonight versus St. Lawrence. In 29 games played, Donato has 16 goals, 15 assists, and 31 points. And that, gentlemen, is my prospect profile. You know what's going to be really funny when like, one of us listens to this back? 
we, lo we lost you for like 10 yeah. seconds. Oh, you serious? You're pro yeah, you're probably um, going to have to do that all over again to yourself. Oh. But but the only thing is, we lost you for 10 seconds. Me and Court started laughing about the fact that we lost you so late on in the show. Mm -hmm. But then as soon as both of us stopped talking, you came back. Yeah, so there's no dead air. You know, you know what's funny yeah. is I'm still recording. <laughs> so I, I might have got, so, so, gotten that whole thing. Yeah, oh, so you probably got me and Coach just going, oh my God, I can't believe we just lost you right near the end. Well, I, all so of a sudden I heard a random be fun laugh and I'm like, okay, what's that about? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all good. It's all yeah, a bit of fun. Hopefully when I do the edit, it's all there. If not, I'll just, I'll just, I'll save the notes. I won't shred them yet. <laughs> yeah, so that's your little Easter egg. We'll we'll know if you've listened to the entire show. Exactly, because there's no fear that this has happened, and we know. Yeah, if anyone tweets us like just saying that this actually happened, then we know you're big fans. Right. And now we're in 19 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. So, um, with that being said, uh, what else is there to discuss? Anybody else got anything? Not much. Hopefully we win tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping for a big game too. I'd like to see everybody on on notice, get the big two points, end the four-game road trip, start a, uh, a nice winning streak at, at home with the, with the beginning of the game that I'm going to against Arizona. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping the big week ahead. It's a big week coming up. Oh sure, there's yeah. a there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of games. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule now. Uh, March is not going to be an easy month to to um, you know scratch those much needed points that they that this team desperately needs to to jump back in and uh, you know play with the elite in the playoffs. So remains to be seen. I mean, I like what I'm seeing so far from from this team since the coaching change. A lot of positive things of, you know, always, always up for discussion when, when the teams are doing good. So, yeah. And let's just hope that when we come back next week, Lee Stepniak is not a Bruin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's kind of funny you brought that up. It's just because I've been, when I was doing the notes for the, for our trade special, I was thinking about that. I'm like, is it out of the realm that, that Don Sweeney is the possible, um, you know, days away from a bonehead trade, and then, like you said, <laughs> yeah. for the sake of trading, you know, and yeah. but that always gets us in trouble with with valuable draft picks. And I, I know I hold those draft picks so dear to my heart, but yeah, you know, that's what but, happens when you got to rebuild. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a nail biting, like time up until the deadline so uh i'm trying not to worry about it i know i keep checking my phone every 10 minutes because um i was i was saying that patrick eves was gonna go for a low pick and, and go to a team because a few people were calling out on twitter that uh with the season he was having there was a possibility that he'd go for a first round pick uh and i said Second, maybe third, and it turns out to be a conditional second pick. But so, it could be a first round. It funny. could turn into a first round. Pick. I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually, but, I actually just saw Patrick Eves. <laughs> He's got a great <laughs> beard. 
Yes, oh, he yeah. does. He does have a great beard. He was the guy. He was the guy in my article I picked to come to the Bruins. I was yeah. like, I like him. Which is another fantastic yeah. read. See, that's what they should do. Like, never mind about the whole um, New England thing. We'll just go for guys with great beards. Exactly. You're bound to make the playoffs if you got yeah. a great beard. Brett Burns, great beard. Joe Thornton, great beard. Two great hockey yep. players. Yep. Uh, on a team destined for the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. So... Oh, I don't know. I think that's I think that's all we got. That was a um a great yep. show. Court. Um great to have you back again. That was two solid weeks of dropping knowledge. I really appreciate Great to be that. back. Really appreciate your time. Um not only can we follow your writings at um the black and gold dot com, uh where else can we find you? Uh well you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Court Malone. Um, and that's pretty much it. Um, unless you want to, uh, you know, come find me out here in Milton, Ontario. Nice. <laughs> Don't say that. Oh. We are not. We are not liable for any stalkers <laughs> that may appear in your house. Right. I, Please I might, do not sue us. I might have to like get some more affiliated sites to sponsor the show because um, <laughs> I might have to get higher protection in the Toronto area from our friends. Well. well if you, you think it's it's funny, we got Mark who's in is in Massachusetts. We got Rob who's uh you know over the pond, and yep. me in the Great White North. Yep. Yep. And I, I actually the said three that, territories. Yeah, I, I actually said that when um, Brandon Shea Cohen joined us, uh, he we were covering three countries on one podcast, so that was pretty cool. Oh yeah, because he's in Quebec, right? In Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> So that is crazy. It is, but you know, I, I love it because there's a lot of Bruins fans everywhere, and it's great to be friends with them on Facebook and talk to them on Twitter, and when they're from the the um, the rival areas. So yeah, uh, Rob, you can be found at Rob Forty Bruins. I can be yep. found at Black and Gold Two Seven Seven. You can follow the show's um, Twitter account at black the letter n gold pod um please uh if you do any shopping on amazon please go to the black and gold and just click on the banner and uh shop away and it will really help us in future plans um of yep. the podcast we want to keep it going but we need some help so um you can also go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and uh donate as much as a dollar per show uh that also helps out too so anything that you guys can do because we like i said we really enjoy doing this on a weekly basis and we've we've really gotten some um excellent feedback from people i actually got an email um the other day um and it was dude from toronto and 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 under it said, you guys got to get this guy back. So um, not only was the feedback good on uh, Court's last appearance, but um, it was a uh, very good uh, good show. So we look to have you back, sir, soon. No um, problem. And thanks again for your time. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Um, let's just hope uh, this the, the Bruins keep winning. Uh, let's, let's try to march into the playoffs. And and before Wednesday, please don't trade anybody and don't be stupid. So that's, that's my public service announcement for the for the for, for the podcast. So yeah, no, Lee Stepniak. 
please. Yes, right. no. Right. Um, thanks again, everybody, um, for everything. This is this has been a really good week, and I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, and thanks for your hard work, you, uh, you two, for uh, your lists and uh, your homework. Um, well done. I, I thought you guys all had great, solid picks. So. Yeah, right. it was awesome. All right, I'm going to end the show now, and um, we thank you all very much, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please join us next week for another discussion of Bruins hockey-related material.